Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Lewis and Lucas podcast. I'm half your podcast, Lucas. With me, as always, is Lewis. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Another good. week, another amazing treasure trove of stuff to talk about on Twitter. Uh, yep. This week was certainly no exception, so we'll just get right into it. Uh, Alex Jones has to pay almost a billion dollars to the sand the grieving sandy hook families make this make sense to me make like so if you if you lie about something right and we could argue whether or not that's what he did but if he lie about somebody on a big enough platform you have to pay a billion dollars is, is that the new thing now yeah i mean there's always been a principle of defamation right so if i say hey lucas uh you know tortured a kitten to death or whatever and like i make you look really bad um you can sue me right rightfully so and say wait a second i didn't there's no evidence i tortured a kitten blah 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 and then i would have to um either show evidence or um not have a trial um or i'm sorry or pay you whatever damages um a jury thought were appropriate what's interesting about this trial is that there was no trial um, so he was found, uh, and I was interacting with somebody the other day, and I think this is a very common perception as we see these videos of him in court testifying, we see videos of people testifying against him, and we say, oh, he got his trial, and therefore, you know, maybe we disagree with how much he had to pay or whatever, but they did do a trial, and he was found liable for this defamation. But that's not true. If you look up articles, um, he was never found liable. That was a decision made by a, a judge that he was liable. Oh. He was not allowed to defend himself. Um, he was found liable because supposedly during discovery, he didn't turn over some stuff they had asked for. Um, if you listen to his argument, he couldn't because it was old texts and stuff that he had deleted or had lost or had it was gone he couldn't give them what they were asking for and but because he didn't give them what he was at they were asking for they found him liable by default the judge found him liable by default um interestingly like for all the different cases that he was going through all found him liable in the same time frame kind of like when he got banned from every platform at the same time frame so he was found liable by default so everything people saw on tv in terms of him testifying etc that was all the damages um, portion of the trial. So when you have a, a civil lawsuit, you have, a, are they liable, number one? And then number two, how much do they have to pay? Everything you saw was just the, how much does he have to pay question. And so he was unable during that process to say, wait a second, I didn't say this, or wait a second, I'm not liable, or wait a second, you know, I simply was uh, reflecting this. So there was no point when he was able to put up a defense for the accusation of him being liable of defamation. So that's the scary part of this whole trial is that um, he um, was found guilty by fiat, by a judge's decision. He was found liable, you know, a little bit different than guilty, but he was found liable um, by fiat. The judge just said, you're, you're guilty of this defamation claim. And, um, you know, that should be terrifying for all of us. And yeah. the other the other thing I know, you know, I, I, I believe on this thing is like the idea that um, promoting a conspiracy theory can destroy your life and can do so without it so much as a trial is a terrifying thing, right? So like yeah. if you, if I say, oh, the CIA shot John Kennedy, right? And then some CIA agent, maybe the head of the cia says wait a second that's defamation um your life is ruined now and you don't get to tr you don't get a trial on that you don't get anything like your life is ruined because you said that a judge will just declare you liable and we will take every cent you've ever had and and put you in poverty and you know, um, that, that's a terrifying thing. And it's certainly good for any kind of regime that wants to control a narrative, right? For so sure. like if, if you're in charge of the government and you don't want people questioning the vaccine. So yeah, you know, let's say I, I accuse the CEO of Pfizer um, of something 
and the regime doesn't like it, they put they he somebody from Pfizer sues me. It's a defamation trial. A judge says, "Wait a second, Lewis didn't reveal everything he was supposed to reveal. He's now liable by default. Now let's have a case of how much Lewis has to pay. And oh, by the way, it's going to be a billion dollars, right? right. <laughs> like that. It's it's a it's a terrifying dystopian world. And so, regardless of your thoughts on Alex Jones, most people think." His comments on Sandy Hook were horrible. I totally understand being a parent there and not, not wanting to be accused of, of faking it or murdering my own kid or whatever they're accused of. I, I get that, and it's a horrible thing. Um, but the broader picture of destroying a man for propagating a conspiracy theory without even a trial should send shudders down everybody's spine. For sure. Well, it's what's funny. Someone was pushing that video around again. There's that CNN video where the Sandy Hook parent is getting ready to address the press, and they're smiling and laughing before they come up and do their and they do this like weird where they're like, and they you know be, make gets get real sad, and then they start talking. So yeah, so Alex Jones is like, well, hey, that was really weird, huh? It's like what what's going on with this? Yeah, and I mean, it, I don't know. I I haven't dug into the actual conspiracy theory at all, and I certainly don't want to promote it, given what's happened to Alex Jones. Um, but <laughs> I um, I I you know people sometimes grieve in weird ways or whatever, or, or you know in order to can be truly grieving but at the same time having fun or whatever like i i don't know anything about that but i will say um to comment on it and to make note of it or whatever is is fine and like it, it's it's his right and you can i mean freedom of speech in america certainly should include um the ability to suggest that um the government's conspiring about something and you can be wrong i mean you you can be wrong and it's okay it's all right to be wrong whoa, about that whoa. So. That's, that's some of the fascists would say Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's it is interesting that we can't question like it's it's very clear right now that you cannot question the official narrative of sandy hook at all when i i posted about the route 91 shooting the Las Vegas shooting that was, we just had their five-year anniversary just two weeks ago. Nary a peep from the mainstream press, I might add. And I, there's a, uh, Mindy Robertson did a really, really good in-depth video showing if you look at all the 911 phone calls that they recorded and got in, all this different evidence, it is really hard to believe that there was just the one shooter, Stephen Paddock. And the people who were there talked about they would flee from they, they were fleeing from the Mandalay Bay shooter where Stephen Paddock was and were running into more gunfire. There were multiple people that were firing into that crowd. Um, so being able to question official narratives is important. And with Route 91, for sure, it seems like there's something more going on. But yeah, I kind of share your sentiment. I don't want to touch Sandy Hook with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I I support the official narrative. For there, the you go. there you go. <laughs> and Alex Jones, did you see his reaction video of they showed he was watching their when they announced the billion dollars in damages, whatever. He's like, and he's laughing like, oh, they they think they're going to get this money, but so he does. He doesn't seem like he thinks this is done yet. Yeah, I mean. The, the fact that they tr they declared him liable without trial, if that gets upheld, um, that's a t and then that tr costs you a billion dollars. Like so, that like that's if that gets upheld, that's a terror. We're I mean, we might as well give up the idea that this is a free country. So, right. um, you know, I I support defamation um, trials. You know, like I I think if if I lie about you or you lie about me, there should be certainly a chance for me to, um, you know, sue you over that. And that goes back to the founding of America. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was once sued for defamation. Um, I read a book about that trial. So 
Um, yeah, there's, it's a very long history of people being sued for, uh, false accusations against other people. Um, but you need to have a trial and, um, a, trial. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, he's definitely guilty. I, you know, I heard his comments about Sandy hook or whatever. Okay. Well, first of all, there's various requirements to prove defamation. So defamation just isn't, Hey, you got something wrong. You have to pay a billion dollars. You know, if you apologize, if you correct it quickly, if it's not malice of intent, et cetera, et cetera, um, often you, it does not qualify for defamation. That's why you need a trial um, to show whether it's defamation or not. So it's not simply getting something wrong. It is um, getting something wrong with various conditions attached to it. And there was no trial to do that. And furthermore, I'll say if it's so obvious, like if it was just a you know, him on video, therefore he's guilty of defamation, then do the trial, right? Like it should be a very easy, quick trial, right? Here he is saying it. Okay. He's guilty and let's go forward. And they didn't do that. Which it, to your point, like I, that's something I don't understand is it does seem like he he's a public figure made a lot of public comments that they could use. Why did they do this uh, monkey show? Why, why didn't they allow a real trial to proceed? I mean, my opinion is that they wanted to make an example of him. Um, I mean, if you go back to kind of the internet censorship, if anybody remembers back in 2016, for example, um, Twitter was perfectly free. Like you could say whatever you wanted to anyone you wanted. Um, you could make racist comments, you could do whatever. And it was only with Alex Jones really as the canary in the coal mine where all of a sudden um, Twitter banned him, YouTube banned him, uh, Facebook banned him, everybody banned him at once. There was like one moment where they clearly colluded to ban Alex Jones. And that was the beginning of what we see now is like, it's the joke of like, hey, when do I get censored? Like, when am yeah. I going to be cut off? Like, everybody knows that if you're conservative long enough and you say the things that are open openly you know you acknowledge facts <laughs> you know there, there's certain things you're certain facts you're not supposed to talk about if you do that you're going to get banned from everything like that's just a, a fact of of the internet now alex jones started that so you go back to your question of like why are why did they do this i think they wanted to ensure the outcome so that they could set a precedent so that going forward people pushing conspiracy theories quote unquote um could be um targeted. destroyed and targeted right yeah so yeah and, and i i would say unless this gets overturned you know stay tuned there's going to be more of it so see i guess that's where i so i, I when i saw the billion dollar headline that was kind of my like, okay, that's obviously ridiculous. So there's no way, like as much as the mainstream, whatever, might hate him, whatever, there's just no possible way that that can stand. There's just, I, I will be shocked. I'll just put this on the record now. I will be shocked if this actually stands and this has to go through. Um, lots of, I'm sure you saw this conversation happening on Twitter. It's like, oh, we, we have to pay a billion dollars when we lie about something that damages people. So I don't, Hey, what about all the COVID misinformation about how helpful this was and people taking it and getting vaccine injuries? Are they, are they going to be able to sue for a billion dollars too? Yeah. Or I mean, a better analogy in my opinion is, um, so he is, you know, has a show that talks about the news. So he's got an opinion slash news show that he does Fox has that, uh, MSNBC has that, CNN has that. Those organizations have lied about things that have led to hundreds of thousands of deaths in the case of wars that they have promoted based on misinformation that was later proved to be misinformation. So they have gotten things wrong that have caused millions, not millions, but at least hundreds of thousands of deaths over the course of the last 20 years. And yet none of those organizations were sued. None of them were given billion dollar judgments. So when it comes to like damage done by news slash opinion shows, his ranks very low on that. Right. He, right. You know, hurt, said some mean things, hurt some families. I understand why people are upset about it. I would be certainly upset about it if it was my kids, but 
completely different level from hurting someone's feelings to killing many, many people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and watching people defend the, this billion dollar thing on Twitter has been really, really interesting to watch. Like it's, it's, I, I know people have been talking ad nauseum about how the left has morphed into this status quo statist apologist, which is just so bizarre very different from the leftists I knew growing up in the 2000s that were very deeply concerned about the overreach of big government. It's, yeah. they see that like, well, hey, you shouldn't lie about people's dead kids. I agree. So someone who does has to pay a billion dollars and then people are like, yeah, yeah. And how, like, how much of that is real people and how much of yeah. that is just bots? Yeah, yeah. I am very suspicious that a ton of those are just bots. But um, what's interesting is the Ashley Babbitt thing. Um, Ashley Babbitt, for those of you that don't know, was one of the January 6th protesters that uh, went into the Capitol and then was shot. She's really the only person to be, uh, at least one of the only people to be killed by violence since she was a Trump supporter. Um, and um a cop shot an unarmed woman um, who was engaging in a protest, maybe slightly rough protest, but she was engaging in a protest. Um, you would think that the cop shooting an unarmed woman would outrage all the people that have been talking about co uh, police overreach, um, have been talking about defunding the police, have been talking about um, uh, police uh, using excessive force, etc. But then you talk to people online and the same people that were like defund the police, George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. You'll say, well, Ashley Babbitt, right? Like it's kind of seems like should be at least in the same category, if not even worse. Um, and they say, no, 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 no. She deserved to die. Yes. Like yeah. she, she deserved to die. She was, she, she was caught. She was trying to do an insurrection. She deserved to die. And it's a weird it's a weird disconnect where there's no consistency of thinking um, on people. And I don't know, I don't know, even intelligent people, you know, the problem with the, one problem with the internet is you get everybody's opinion, right? So like sometimes you get true idiots um, right. that in the old days would never have a public voice, but now have a public voice because Twitter goes out to everybody. So sometimes you'll be engaging with someone and you'll say, oh, this person's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, then, so, and then there's a <laughs> lot of intelligent people will say those things sometimes too so and, and and there's a lot of trolls too like a lot of people who you know they just they want to ruffle feathers so they'll say things they know aren't true just to get a reaction whatever there's a lot of that too and people that's that's why i'm always cautious about you know you see something salacious that somebody says on twitter you're like you're like oh that's what a terrible opinion like i need to I need to jump on that. You don't. You don't. Yeah, and I, yeah, I catch yeah, myself yeah. like getting riled up. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How likely is it this is a real person that's that's doing? Yeah, it? yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, satire accounts now, right? Yeah. So you have a lot of um, people that are over the top liberal. You know, it started with that Titania McGrath, who's is very oh, yeah. funny. Yeah, and <laughs> but then now there's just a million of those where you'll. You'll see someone say something ridiculous, um, like like I'm transitioning my five year old or whatever, yeah. and and you're like, what? And you'll send like all this angry response to them, and then you realize, oh, they're fake. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. Um, Andrew uh, Doyle is yeah. the guy who runs that Tanya McGrath, uh, British comedian. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. funny. But yeah, he was he was at the forefront of that sort of uber lib but what you know what's what's sad is a lot of the stuff that he was satirizing there are real people that actually believe yeah things that he's satirizing every once in a while he'll post uh like something about prophecies of titania mcgrath well she'll <laughs> she'll say something ridiculous and then six months later it'll be in the new york times or something like that so yeah, yeah. But, uh, um it's it, that's the interesting thing about satire right now is it's almost a um impossible and well impossible to do it right right like you you say the most ridiculous thing you can think of and it's that's the direction things are going so you know uh and babylon b does uh 
similar stuff where they'll they'll publish videos of 10 prophecies fulfilled or whatever and they'll go through all these things that they said that sound ridiculous and then actually happen you know a few months later so yep so another thing i saw on twitter this week uh, pfizer was talking to the european union and we're just asked up front hey do you have the did you test for whether or not these vaccines you manufactured reduce the transmittability of these diseases and if you have please release that data so we can review it and this, this lady from pfizer is almost laughing like how ridiculous this question is like no we didn't we didn't test for that like we had to roll this out like it, it was it was really stunning that they're they're saying they're actually admitting this out loud that they never tested for it even though when it was rolled out right you know and people were like well okay i understand if i am immunocompromised i'm older i'm more likely to get sick and die that i would take this vaccine but why would a healthy person well you need to take it because it helps your community helps other people right it yeah. helps other people you're less likely to transmit it that yeah so if you're gonna go fact. if you're gonna work at a nursing home or you're gonna um you can to uh, be around your grandma or whatever. You should take it because if, or even you're a kid in a school and you're going to be around older teachers or whatever, um, you take it to protect the older person, the person that is more vulnerable than you. Um, that was the whole point. That's why they were mandating it. That's as everything associated, you know, that's, that's the entire case. Um, everybody knew it wasn't a big threat to anybody under 40 or under 50 even. Um, and yet, um, everybody was pushed very hard, not just pushed, but like jobs threatened in some cases, jobs yeah. lost jobs lost. and, and, um, people, um, really being put between a rock and a hard place where it's like, Oh, do I give in and take this vaccine? I don't think I need, um, or do I keep my job? And, you know, like there's, it, it really screwed a lot of people up and, you know, there's, you know, people have health issues related to making that decision to this day. And, and um, it's, it's insane that at the heart of it, there was no, not even no data. And this idea, I saw a fact check. I posted this on Twitter today. I saw a fact check that's like, oh, Pfizer never claimed that they had done that testing. Well, okay. But like, who, like, they certainly went along with these mandates. They went along with the statements from the Biden administration. They went along with all these ideas that, hey, this is protecting grandma. No, like it literally is not. Like there's no evidence. There's no evidence that that, that, that and, was ever the case. And um, it's it's uh, incredibly damaging. Um, and um, it's the whole basis for all these mandates, you know, travel mandates, et cetera. And um, just wild. It's a, it's a wild admission. And um, and here we are. Now, the interesting thing is Scott Adams talks about this sometimes where he says, um, it, Scott Adams has a line where he says, it used to be when you debunk something, it people cease to talk about it. People cease to promote it. He said, that's not true anymore. So the interesting thing here is, so Pfizer said this, it's very evident from the fact that, you know, it's everybody's getting in anyway regardless of uh, status. Um, the interesting thing will be, does anybody change their behaviors? Do the travel mandates get removed? Do uh, corporations that have mandated this, do they stop mandating it? And my guess is no. My guess is oh, like, think the, so? yeah, I think there still will be a lot of organizations that mandate it. And um, the, the reason I, I believe that is that this is, it's a proxy for political point of view, right? So if you're all in on the vaccine, masks, et cetera, you are a good, a good person. And if you're not, you are a Trump tart, right? Like you're an idiot, right person. And so I think it's a way in many ways and has served that way throughout this whole um this whole pandemic has served as a proxy for getting rid of Trump supporters, getting rid of the, the, 
deplorables. Um, and I, like I said, up to this day, I know I have friends that are currently having participating in lawsuits um, to try and protect themselves uh, from mandates uh, for the workplaces they're in. So um, did, we'll did see. This we'll, video? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it gets dialed back or not. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, I believe that to some degree or another, this is if you, you know, if you're uh, Harvard or whatever, and you say, hey, let's fire. Let's get rid of all the students that are Trump supporters and let's get rid of all the uh, faculty and staff that is Trump supporters. You wouldn't be able to do that, right? Like you'd be a huge outrage, et cetera. But if you said, let's get rid of everybody that doesn't take the vaccine for our safety, so right? you're, then so you can do that. Like you can get rid of everybody and then, you know, the, at, le- at the very least, you can make those, those Trump supporters bend a knee. So, to, you're, um, so you're saying that this the higher ups knew this was a, knew this to be the case and but we're going along with it because they wanted to do a bigger purge of conservatives um well i i want to clarify i don't i think that people's ability to self deceive is insane right like it's when clearly something doesn't work and yet you say you know what i'm going to go along with it anyway um that has gone on throughout this whole administration. So, you know, like think of, and I'll go back to Scott Adams again, he'll post, you know, like um, top 20 Trump hoaxes, things like him making fun of a reporter, him that with self disabilities, him telling people to inject bleach in themselves, him uh, saying that there's fine people on both sides, those kind of things. And all those are verifiably hoaxes, things that you can disprove immediately. And yet people continue to believe them. Um, And you say, well, why are they continuing to believe them? And the answer is they want them to be true. They want it to be true. And you're able, when you really want something to be true, especially in today's world where you can curate the information coming at you, um, you can can continue to believe it. So is it 100% cynical? Um, that people are still mandating the vaccine and still mandating masks, et cetera, um, this far in, into things where we clearly see the results that we've seen. Is it 100% cynical? Um, I don't believe it's 100% cynical. I think these people have some kind of mind virus that has allowed them to sincerely, on one hand, believe what they're saying, and at the same time, in the face of all data. Right. So they sincerely believe this. And by the way, it's a convenient way to get rid of the people that don't believe it because they're Trump tards. Right. Like, so it's, it's both. It's, it's, it's not cynical in the sense that I think somewhere in their crazy brains, they've convinced themselves, but it is cynical in the sense that um, it's also a helpful tool to get rid of people they don't like. Yep. In spite of uh, in spite of that, it is nice to see the narrative around COVID starting to get exposed and come down. There was a clip about the German health minister talking about it. You know, he asked the question like, "So when we were looking at COVID deaths, like how do we determine if somebody died because of COVID and somebody died while they had COVID?" And basically, he was like, "Well, it's, that's a little. It's too hard to." discern between those two so covid deaths are covid deaths and we're like well like wait so all the which people conspiracy theorists have been saying you can't trust these covid numbers because they're just counting everybody if you happen to have covid and you pass away you know like if you die in a car accident and they find covid in your body that's a covid death even though you clearly died from a car accident and so to have a German health minister, which it's insane that they they all knew this, and I don't want to get it like put my tinfoil hat on and like look at this global conspiracy, but like look how everybody around the world, all these higher ups, were towing the line on on these COVID vaccines, and like this this was pretty. And even though they knew, if they dug just a little bit into it that it didn't stack up yeah yeah it um 
it is interesting to see people slowly coming awake on the whole thing and like it's fewer and fewer people are like crazy about it it's like uh it's like narnia is melting you know aslan has come and the snow is slowly <laughs> melting and people are slowly taking off their masks but it is uh it's interesting to see who the latest you know who the slowest people are to uh to wake up from the narrative yeah, who, um, but, who are still loyal to the queen and yes yeah that's right and uh the um the thing that we need to do i think as as people that were awake from the beginning um we need to save all the crazy clips save yes. all the crazy insane stuff they were doing um they're rant, screaming attacking people for in in walmart for not having a mask or whatever like that we need to save all that stuff and show it to people just like you know you save pictures of the holocaust so that people remember right we need to re people need to remember the insanity here right like yeah. they need to remember what they did hopefully so they can avoid doing it again although i have zero faith that they will avoid doing it again but let's save the videos so that um yeah. hopefully hopefully they will and I, and I have seen some big blue checks actually like roll out apologies about their push for the vaccines i'll, I'll yeah. post some of that i i do a major twitter thread after every episode to kind of compile all the information that we're talking about so you don't have to just take our word for it you go look at the source yourself it has been nice to see some of these blue checks be like hey i totally bought into this. I thought that I could trust these experts telling me that this stopped the transmissibility of this virus. Mm -hmm. And clearly that's not the case. And I apologize that I was part of misleading a lot of people. So th thank you for the people that were, you know, hey, we all of us fall for things. All of us, we believe things that turn out to be false. But being able to have the moral fiber to when you realize that that is the case, that you are able to admit it and apologize for what you did. Hey, good on you. I, I appreciate that. I wish there was more of that. Yeah. Um, can I, before we wrap up this discussion, let me say yeah. something so our video doesn't get banned or we don't get sued <laughs> for a billion dollars. I support Pfizer and I support the vaccine. Um, we believe that it's safe and effective and that everybody, so including effective. infants, should be vaccinated multiple everybody. times. So Everybody. please, please do it right now. <laughs> D don't wait. Exactly. For your uh, grandma. Do it for your grandma. Do it for grandma. U Ukraine craziness. So the Russia-Ukraine thing continues to evolve. Um, the... I don't have a slide for this one. Oh, so no worries. We'll promote my book as we talk about it. There you go. <laughs> Check out the book while we talk. Um, <laughs> This, it is, it is like, okay, can, can we admit that we are actively engaged in a proxy war with Russia through Ukraine? Like, that we're, so we're funneling all this money. Well, so I'll, 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 I'll shove that for a second. I saw this, I'm sure everybody saw this video of a Russian, I don't know if a satellite picked this up or a drone, but this Russian soldier is in the middle of crossfire and he crosses himself. And the guy that with the video captions it, this Russian soldiers engaging in black magic before they before they take one, before they get killed, whatever. And people are like, whoa, that's really funny. Whoa, and like, oh my God, like it's just so so sick. So sick. Yeah, we yeah. can see it a fellow human being, right? This he didn't start this war. He didn't like not there's not a lot of Russians that support this, doesn't seem to be anyway. The way that they're fleeing uh, to avoid getting drafted into this war. So he's stuck there um, as a result of decisions from people that are several echelons above where he is. And he's, he's looks like he's about to die. And people just had to jump on him and, and make fun of him in his last, or potentially his last moments. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, you'll read accounts of in the ancient days of uh, executions and people will go, you know, a murderer or whatever will be accused and then publicly tried and then publicly executed often in horrific ways, you know, ripped apart, you know, limb to limb, uh, etc. And the crowd will sit around cheering and laughing 
um, you'll hear accounts of crowds at being a big party. You know, you bring the whole family and there's drinking and everybody enjoys as this person gets ripped limb to limb. And you say, man, they were really cruel back then. Like, how could they do that? And here we are doing the same thing, right? Like we're, we're enjoying and taking pleasure in the destruction of human beings. And we watch the clips and we laugh about it and we put snippy Twitter comments underneath it, um, et cetera. And it sh shows that humanity really hasn't this whole idea that we've evolved uh, in our, in our nature um, clearly is not true. Clearly not true. The, the whole, the way that social media has an effect on wars. Like I remember when we invaded Iraq and Fox News and CNN had like live footage of our troops go Shock infiltrating Baghdad. Right, yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was we were like, wow, like this. It so like watching war become a reality TV show back in the two thousands. Now we're even more. Uh, we ha we have even more exposure, media exposure to the front lines. You saw this video. There's. Ukrainians and Russians posting videos of themselves, um, lots of videos of of them taking each other and, and treating each other bad, torturing each other in some cases, and posting this stuff. And it's uh, it's it's so so bizarre. And you would think that okay, we need to figure out a way to make this stop. We need to find a way to make peace. But as soon as you mentioned that. You're just, you're a Russian asset. Yeah, I was going to ask when you said that, you're not working for the Russians, are you? <laughs> that sounded very Russian. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I can do a podcast with you anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you work for America. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. The other interesting thing about the um, videos is um, the kind of this dystopian uh, lack of context to a lot of things. Um, so you'll see a, a 30 second clip of something going on in a video, and then you'll have whoever posted the video will give a description of what it is. Um, and so it'll be like, Hey, this guy shooting another guy, they both look like Eastern Europeans or whatever. And you'll say, it'll say Russian murders unarmed citizen or whatever. And like, is that really what happened? Is that a recent video? And sometimes you'll find out, oh, that video was from like 2015 or whatever. Yeah. And like, um, so it's interesting. Um, we, we think we're seeing video from this war. We think we're hearing accurate descriptions. And you would think that video would make it um, verifiable, but in more reality, more it's very, not. Yeah, yeah in, in yeah. reality, it's, it's you're trusting the source of the video, you're trusting the description of the video, you're just trusting the accuracy of the video, you're trusting everything about it. And it's, you know, I could post that same video and I could say, um, you know, two Polish guys get in a, a fight over a woman or whatever. Like, yeah. it, like it literally, literally you can, you know, you, you don't know what you're looking at um, when, when you watch a video. And so that's one interesting thing thing about kind of Twitter coverage of wars um, is that um, there's a lot of clips going out there. And this was true for COVID too, where you'll see clips of like China rounding people up. And it's just like one Chinese guy being surrounded by Chinese police. And like, maybe that was because of COVID, but maybe it was 2015 because that guy stole something from a store right. or whatever. Yeah. Like, you just don't know what it, you know, what, what's going on. So it's there the access to more information has not helped in our ability to discern reality which has been really yeah. like we always thought like with the internet now we're gonna and in many ways it has where we do have access to more information but you also have access to a lot of bad information and it, as you point out the way that stuff is being presented helps to frame certain narratives and we got to be very on our toes, very careful about what we see and what the claims behind those pieces of media are yeah. claiming to portray. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, one of the um, complaints about Christianity um, is, you know, atheists will put up there as they'll say, why did Jesus come at a time when there was no 
cameras. There was no uh, videotapes. Like we could have videotaped his uh, resurrection from the dead. And then everybody would believe it's convenient that Jesus came at a time when there was no videotapes. And it's interesting. I feel like we're at a moment where we once again have to go to eyewitnesses. We yeah. once again have to say like, is, is that video accurate? Is that video really what happened? Um, let's talk to some eyewitnesses and find out. And an eyewitness says, yeah, that's what that's that video is accurate. Or actually, if that video was two minutes longer, you would have seen that it's completely the opposite of what you think it is. Or no, that video had nothing to do with this or whatever. Like, so we once again have gone back to eyewitnesses as the primary source. And that's even more true now that we have easy video manipulation where you can put one person's face on another person's face. You can put Tom Cruise's face on wh whoever. And like, um, the, so videos cease and photos cease to actually be meaningful. They're actually, they're more, uh, you know, it's less accurate. The videos are less accurate now. I feel yeah. just for that. So for that point you just made, you yep. watch the different deep fakes that people can make. Now I just watched one where, it looks like this white guy is talking to you about something, whatever, and then they, the changes. And it's like actually, it's 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 she's you know like a foot shorter than he this guy that she was portraying to be. The voice is different, the face is completely different, but because of technology, because of software, she was able to create something that looked like a completely different person saying something. So you could take celebrities, political figures, and create videos of them saying and doing things. You know, then yeah. the question becomes, how do you fact check that? Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, it was man. like That's 19, 1980s. Yeah, it was like 1980s. But um, it was it was done in the 1980s. And part of the movie, not to spoiler alert, but um, the the part of the movie was them creating fake videos of participants in this blood sport that they were having and that so the participant would be on video saying hey i'm happy and and then it turns out that person's actually dead or whatever um and at the time it seems completely it was like yeah futuristic weird and like now we could totally do that yeah. like you could yeah. totally do a deep fake of um you know if you murdered somebody and you wanted to have a video of them saying that they're happy and on vacation somewhere you could you could do that no problem you know, yeah, especially the government with all their money, they could they could do that without a, even blinking an eye. Yeah, yeah. It, speaking of Ukraine, some more. Like we talked a little bit last time about Nord Stream two, that pipeline that blew up. You know, Russia apparently blew up their own pipeline that was being pushed really heavily for a couple of days, and then that story has basically just disappeared. Well, Kim dot com had posted about. Uh, Gazprom, the Russian gas company that posted videos about stuff that was found next to their pipeline back in 2015. And I, I really like this tweet from, if you don't follow Chris Martinson, uh, his, his podcast, the Peak Prosperity Comp podcast, he's, he was one of the, because he's into financial investment stuff, but he's a trained doctor. He was one of the first COVID skeptical people that I followed. Uh, so re re I really recommend following him. But I really like this tweet. Look, just because Biden said the U.S. was going to bring an end to the Nord Stream 2 pipelines and the U.S. had a P-8 flying overhead, uh, overhead at the time and the USS Kearsarge and helicopters were nearby and tucked in explosive drone in tight before, doesn't mean that the U.S. blew up the pipeline. Come on. <laughs> it's... Isn't, well, I mean, we all knew that was nonsense. I said that on the podcast last week. It's like, obviously, uh, not even. It's the idea that they would, rather than just shut out. I mean, they Russia could, if they didn't want to supply oil or gas, uh, they, they could just shut it off. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not, not hard for them to do. Or if they wanted to blow it up or whatever, they could blow it up closer to Russia and not in the middle of the sea, right? So, like, just... Right around uh, a bunch of U.S. Right. assets. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's, ridiculous. It's, so, I don't know. You say, I mean, you still believe that narrative, okay? But, you know, I'm, I'm, you, you probably also believe that the COVID vaccines reduce transmissibility and, and a bunch of other things. So 
All right. <laughs> Let me do a disclaimer. I absolutely believe the government on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. um, did you see Elon Musk got put on a kill list for about an hour this week? Yeah, I saw that. I saw oh, that. my gosh. Wild. So he, Elon, he – so there's Starlink, right, the satellite communication company that mm -hmm. tesla elon i don't know if it's under tesla or whatever it's it under was, spacex i believe okay yeah. yeah which is his company right yes and he was letting people use it right in ukraine to help communicate with each other whatever and then uh he was looking at you know well hey like just kind of tweeting out like thinking out loud basically like how do we bring peace to russia and ukraine you know and now, I've, I find Elon Musk irritating for a lot of the same reasons that other people find Elon Musk irritating, right? I'm not an Elon Musk fanboy. But I was kind of surprised, or maybe I should have been so surprised, like how quick like, people jumping on him to be like, you can't promote the idea of peace between Russia and Ukraine? What are you doing? Like, And uh, that Ukrainian diplomat told him to F off, right? Mm -hmm. And then they then they sh he shuts Starlink down and people are like, well, so a couple of days after that got the Ukrainian diplomat told him to f off, he shuts off the Starlink and Elon Musk subtweeted that was like, yeah, we just took his advice. <laughs> yeah, then, if you're depending on a dude for for millions of dollars of satellite service, it's probably not a good idea to have your officials telling them to f off. So, which why like why aren't we paying? Like if we're going to give billions to Ukraine, like we're not going to give a couple mil towards this Starlink endeavor, but I mean, that's a whole nother conversation anyway. Um, yeah. Then he, so then he was, somebody grabbed a screenshot of the website. Ukraine has this, which that's so bizarre. They have a website where they're like top people that they need dead. And yeah. Elon Musk was on there for about an hour before it got taken down. But you're like, oh my god! Like this is. Imagine if Ukraine killed Elon Musk. Like, wow, <laughs> that'd be wild. That'd be crazy. So they, we believe that. Okay, you remember that there was that Russian. She she was a daughter of this kind of this Russian nationalist journalist. I don't even know. If he, I don't think he was even part of the government. But he's sort of the. He kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, I can't remember so his name. His, but, uh, his daughter was killed in a car bomb. And yeah, yeah, I and, remember. Yeah, and our U.S. security officials believe that Ukraine was behind that, mm -hmm. but and people support it. We're like, like, yeah, like this is war, man. Like we, you know, and you're like, okay, we're killing civilians in car bombs. Yeah, like, it's like pure terrorism, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. The the um, Willingness to justify obvious evil um, going on right now is is mind blowing. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't. Should people take Elon Musk seriously? About is he gonna like actually craft a deal to bring peace to Russia Ukraine? Of course not. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Tesla bro. Whatever. But the <laughs> the the way that he was dragged for providing free services to through Starlink and then took it down at their behest and then got put on a kill list. Like just so, 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 so insane. And, you know, so, you know, I like that you framed it correctly. This that we're supporting terrorism. Mm -hmm. Has yeah. that ever worked out for us in the past where we've, you know, we, 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 we did the same thing to Russia and Afghanistan, right? Russia was in Afghanistan. We helped arm the Mujahideen that eventually evolved into the Al Qaeda, and that you know we see how that how that turned out for us. Is this yeah. really a good idea to fund uh, Ukrainian whatever terrorism in our efforts to engage in a proxy war without actually engaging in a war ourselves? Yeah, it never works. I mean, honestly, none of all of our foreign policy seems like it a hundred percent comes back to bite us in the end. So we're like the keystone cops of uh, empires. We uh, we create 
you know, policies and countries throughout the world and inevitably we're arming and building up our enemies. But to some degree, that's kind of the point, honestly, like, you know, not to um, really be more conspiratorial than we've been already. But, um, (laughs) you know, if you look at the military industrial complex, their objective is always constant war, right? Like there's, there's there's a lot of people in Washington that make their money based on either outright war or preparation for war, right? The, the arms contracting, if you look at how much we spend as a nation on military, it is mind blowing. It's the most mind blowing thing in the world. So you, you want to get rich and you're in the military industrial complex. You very much want us to have a hawkish attitude towards Russia. You very much want us to have a hawkish attitude here. You want us to go in and fix problems. You want us to do those things. And, you know, I don't, you know, some of those people may be clearly satanic, but some of those people may just like convince themselves kind of like we talked about with COVID convince themselves that this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to attack Russia, blah, blah, blah. And then mentally they, they, they go down that path. And in terms of like building up a terrorist organization in Ukraine or whatever, they don't think about that and they don't care. And if, you know, some part of them will benefit, let's say in 10 years, there's like this horrible terrorist organization in Ukraine that is bombing Americans or whatever. Okay. Well, those same people that pushed us into that war say, Hey, let's build up our military. Let's go into Ukraine and let's kill them in Ukraine. And they make the same amount of money from that effort. Right. So like they, they, they're there, it's in their benefit to help the Afghanistan people fight against Russia and then help the American people fight against Afghanistan, help, um, you know, overthrow the government in Iran and then help overthrow the government in Iraq after we built them up to fight everything. Like we benefit from both heads. We win tails. You lose. Like there's inevitably a benefit no matter what happens, as long as the wars keep coming, as long as the the preparation for war keeps coming, it doesn't matter. So in many ways, like at least from a financial standpoint, it does not matter what happens. Now, all these people will change their mind if, there's a thermonuclear war in there. They're in, Which, you know, even if they survive in a bunker, the world won't be a very nice place for them. And uh, yeah, I, um, I, I do believe a lot of the government and them have bunkers. And so they're probably less worried than the rest of us in terms of a, a thermonuclear war, but surviving in a bunker sucks, honestly, like right. 10 years in a, it's uh, funny you say that. I've done you, uh, good. I remember Jesse Ventura, when he was doing his conspiracy theory show, went to Denver and talked to some people that were part of that big bunker military <laughs> complex in Denver. But yeah, like they, yeah, they'll be fine. Like, you know, they make a lot of money from funding this, and then when that evolves into a problem, they're. I'm trying. I was trying to think of like a good analogy, like the arsonist, the firefighter. That's also the arsonist, but it's it's really like they. It, they just they don't really care about the long term consequences. They're like, hey, we'll fix the problem with this, and when that ter- evolves into another yeah. problem, be like, oh, that's great because I have this new, yeah, these new, the, these new, you know, the same I, I hammer, the right yeah, to, yeah, the same thing to fix that. So, yeah. and I can fix that. I can fix that. I can fix that, and we yeah. continue to create problems. But this is different that we're agitating a nuclear power like this. It's just so. This was a couple of weeks ago. We talked. We're talking about Trump. And I was posting videos about when he was antagonizing Kim Jong-un and John Oliver and a bunch of people were freaking out about how North Korea is going is is to launch nuclear weapons at the California coastline. Like yeah. People were genuinely concerned and were uh, take, finding radiation pills and, and people in California, it was the drugstores were selling out of radiation pills. People were genuinely concerned because that's what the yeah. media was pushing. Now we're agitating somebody who has an arsenal of nuclear weapons, and yeah, people don't I seem mean, to be to be genuinely concerned about the reality of you know a nuclear war happening. Yeah, North North Korea maybe has ten nuclear weapons, probably less than that. Maybe has ten. 
Um, they don't have a good delivery system. They don't have an intercontinental uh, ballistic missile um, that really could effectively hit the U.S. They've been trying some things. They've been doing some trials, et cetera. Um, but let's say that we did have a nuclear war with North Korea. They might be able to, in the best case world, everything goes perfect for them. They might be able to hit us 10 times. Right. Sure. And which would be a horrific, right? They it was right for people to be worried about war with North Korea. But let's say worst case scenario, they hit us with 10 missiles, we lose 10 million people or whatever, and then we flatten North Korea and it's over, right? In the case of Russia, they have two thousand thermal nuclear weapons and a full barrage of intercontinental ballistic missiles. Um they could hit, if you just do the math, say 2,000 weapons, they could hit our top 10 cities with 200 missiles apiece, right? Like they, yeah. they could, I mean, they could, they could kill the entire country. They could kill 350 million people. We could cease to exist as a people. And furthermore, of course, we're not just going to take that. So we'll send missiles back and the whole world, I mean, could potentially be gone, right? The whole world could be dead. We could have a nuclear winter and the whole world could be dead. So um, it's on a different scale from North Korea. You're right to be, you know, the, the people that were worried about North Korea were right to be worried. But this is like in a different category of worry. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's... Uh, I don't know. The, the midterm elections can't come soon enough. You know, I feel like uh, I, I, I don't like I'm not as pessimistic as some that's like it doesn't matter who we have, then nothing's going to change. I really feel like there's a, you see all these parents going to school board meetings and, and like people are trying to get more like people feel like empowered enough that like, OK, there's some real problems and I can't just sit and watch CNN or Fox or whoever and, and just watch the world go by. I have to get involved. And it looks like people are trying to send some, some real change to Washington. And I, I can't, that can't come soon enough. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of Republicans are also part of that military industrial oh, for complex. Sure. I there's, mean, there's, Lindsey Graham's like the worst of them. And yeah. uh, there's, there's other people in that category where it's just like, I, you know, I would say, you know, when it comes to like the pro-war crowd, it's about 80% of the Democrats and about 60% of the Republicans. So it's a tough battle. You know, there's a lot of really pro-war people out there. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we can change that. Um, we'll see. Uh before we wrap up here, I just, uh, if you guys remember NFTs, non-fungible tokens, crypto, uh, I saw this interesting tidbit, this artist created a bunch of different art pieces. And if you want to, if you bought it and you wanted the physical, he'll give you the physical. But if you decide to purchase the NFT version, you get the NFT and then he destroys the physical copy. So it is interesting to see an artist take the the fundamental ideas of NFTs of blockchain and really actualize them and, and make them a, try and make them a reality. But like, so you, you bought the NFT, you have an online picture of something that on this particular blockchain, it says that you are the owner of it when you could have had the real thing. Like, I just can't see the NFT being as valuable as the real pieces of art. Yeah, no, in uh, in their defense, the real piece of art are garbage in this case. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the so dude draws a bunch of dots on a piece of paper, which is something that I can do very well. And so, um, yeah, you and I should do some NFTs of the Lucas and Lewis. Uh, there we go. Uh, dot pictures we'll just put a bunch of we'll, dots we'll on a piece a, of paper. yeah we'll take the gif of the demon interfering with our broadcast and, and yeah and turn exactly. that into an NFT. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's man uh i people were really excited about nfts when they, it was maybe two years ago 
And there was another piece of news. I need to I need to grab it. I don't know if you saw this. There was a um, cryptocurrency where it's like they lost like ten million dollars. So the reason was because somebody at the company put in the wrong zero on an Excel spreadsheet that they were using. So the the blockchain company using an Excel spreadsheet, just like everybody else do. It's like okay, so you're not even you're not even using the blockchain like you're supposed to. Like you're just resorting yeah. to Excel, just like the rest of us. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I mean the the NFT thing um, never made sense to anybody. I mean, like it just. You, you know, I I like to take screenshots of NFTs uh, when I see them and say, "Hey, now I own it. <laughs> now now <laughs> I, I own your image." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, well, and there's yeah, that. Put it on a different blockchain. What's going to yeah, stop me? Yeah, from, it, exactly. And then there's that meme of the uh, of the uh, NPC standing in the corner at a party where it, it says underneath nobody knows i own the nft to this song you know and it's like, <laughs> you know, um, nobody does so, and nobody cares yeah exactly yeah i mean that's the weird thing about nfts is like it just makes no sense the only context that has made sense for me um, for nfts where i could see they'd be valuable is in the context of video games or like a metaverse kind of thing where like if you own it and you know like a suit of armor in a in a world of Warcraft or whatever, um, that sort of makes sense uh, for you know something that required you know work to get or yeah. um, required money to get you know to own it. In that sense, sort of makes sense to me. But like the whole owning a picture of the board ape or whatever, like it makes no sense. It's, no, it's, not, not at all. And, it, and cryptocurrencies are just not as secure as they were made out to be. We've we've talked ad nauseum about that in the past. It's, you know, the whole cryptocurrency idea is based on a lot of bad libertarian ideas that aren't that aren't really fully fleshed out. Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's a lot of potential when people who are blocked from using like you saw what happened to like Kanye West. Uh, get was a JP Morgan said that you can't bank with us anymore. So when traditional banking decides to stamp you out like social media platforms do you know, what are you supposed to do? You know, blockchain or like cryptocurrencies might be a way that you could still financially transact with others once you've got shut out of the mainstream financial institutions. Beyond that, there's not a lot of things that I, that I like about crypto. Yeah, but I mean, the alternative to crypto would just be like, other independent financial institutions right like so you know like the, the um you know you, you don't need jp morgan to do banking right anybody can do banking so um it's and probably that's what kanye west has already done right, right. he's just found another bank that is willing to do business with them and you know conservatives can found banks as well as liberals so um obviously at some point in time the government could get involved but then crypto wouldn't help either right like it's not like kanye west could be moving around a billion dollars in crypto and stay off the government radar they would just throw him in jail right so um you know ultimately probably the the solution is just alternative banking done by more conservative organizations or libertarian organizations so. yeah yeah for sure that was the major topics that I saw on this week on Twitter, you know, I, I love staying on Twitter cause I, I meet and learn a lot of really cool things. We, there's still plenty of things that we didn't talk about that we could have talked about. Twitter's an interesting repository of current events. And I don't, was there anything else, anything else you want to hit on before we start wrapping up? No, I think we covered all of Twitter. <laughs> Twitter reviewed. <laughs> I, I, that covers the big stuff. I mean, yeah, there was a lot more on the Kanye West front we could have talked about, but uh, yeah, I think this yeah. is good. And uh, I think maybe next week, we uh, because the week before we talked a little bit about Phil Vischer, VeggieTales, mm -hmm. there's a bigger conversation that's happening with Southern Baptists the they're they started getting involved with the have you seen the he gets us uh marketing campaign 
so it's basically they're taking the story of Jesus and making it more relatable to this younger generation. Like Jesus's mom was a pregnant teen. Nice. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Jesus. Yeah. Is really Does close. Jesus wear like a a uh, a cool rapper outfit and the and the stuff? <laughs> I mean, like, I is it? Is he like that. a cool hip? Like, does he skateboard? Maybe. <laughs> but like, so like, talks about like when he was in the garden, gets said to me, he was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression. You know, just like you. you know, yeah. Jesus is yeah. So, so so like you. Um, yeah. Southern Baptist Convention was for a brief moment in time was part of this marketing campaign. They just severed ties this week. Uh, so we, we didn't even talk, get to talk about that. I think that's really interesting. There's in evangelical circles, there's these divisions happening around like, okay, we need to go back to the basics of the gospel and stop pandering to whatever the social norms happen to be right now. And then there's the, he, the, he gets us, campaigners you know phil visher and being pro-choice type of christianity there those division like those divisions existed before but they weren't certainly weren't as pronounced as they are today um, so maybe we could delve more into that next week uh see what happens on twitter this next week <laughs> sounds good sounds good cool. stay tuned stay tuned all right thanks everybody anything else before we go not really, not really, other than read my book, people. This is a really good book. I have a good idea for another book that's going to, I posted this on uh, on Twitter, is that I've got a follow-up to this one I'm going to be working on with a goal of uh, 2023, where I'm going to be talking about the interaction between tech and um, strange forms of spirituality. Um, there, is a, there is an interesting, weird uh, intertwining it? of those two that uh, I'm, I'm going to start research i've already started my research on but i'm gonna i'm gonna research for the next year or so and then write a book on it um with the hopes of having a book out by the end of next year so do, do you we talked about this a little last week like the demons and artificial yeah. ai generated art do you delve more into that too kind of a lot more device? yeah that's the goal I, I mean obviously i'm just gonna start i'm doing research right now but like there from what i've read so far is there's some spooky weird stuff and uh it overlaps a little bit with my first with this return of the dragon um in terms of um some of the stuff that's going on but uh there's a lot more to be said so uh, my hope is to like i said i'm researching right now doing a lot of reading on this and um then the plan is toward the end of next year have it out so we'll see yep and return of the dragon can't recommend it enough I actually was talking with a church elder that was that listens to our podcast was asking about it and I told him, like I tell everybody, if you want to understand why the church has had a long-standing prohibition against drug culture, you need to read Lewis's book. There's a very good reason for it. It's not just because drugs are bad, okay? There's yep. a real spiritual there's spiritual consequences to engaging in drug culture, and yep. Lewis does a fantastic job of fleshing that out in, in this book. You should check it out. Yeah, it's a, it is a giant story to be told and it's not really told from a christian perspective it's very i tried to take a secular bent to it but it's um it definitely tells the history of why the church was so insane about trying to stop the use of drugs for spiritual purposes uh, throughout its history all right awesome thanks everybody we'll see you next week